There's a moment when one realises that the horizon is no longer a joining of sky and land. It's the sea. The first glimpse of the sea always lifts my spirits, as if suddenly I've returned to more carefree times. I had no distinct notion of which road I should take to find my way to the Royal Hotel, but by following my nose and some sliver of memory, I found myself on Whitby's West Cliff, just where I needed to be. I stopped the car outside the hotel, taking off my motoring goggles and blinking into the light of a glorious day. Sun glinted on the North Sea that shone almost blue as it reflected the summer sky. Leaving the car, I crossed the road and walked a few yards south for a good view of the River Esk as it flowed into the sea between the two piers. Red-roofed houses climbed the cliffside. The ruined abbey stood proudly defiant. Beside it, the older, still, St. Mary's Church gave off an air of dignified sympathy. Whitby. Some irresistible attraction had drawn so many people to this end-of-the-world town, hemmed in by the sea at its front and the wild moors behind. This was a lucky place for me, where I met my husband, Gerald. We were young, and had no notion that a war would come and part us forever. We had walked together along the cliffs and on the shore, fell in love, chose my engagement and wedding rings. Captain Cook still surveyed his domain, his statue placed so that he looks out not to sea, but towards the estuary. Black's Guide to Yorkshire will tell you that Whitby is a town of much antiquity, but little historical importance and that it owes its origin to the abbey founded in the 7th century by Oswy, King of Northumbria. For me, Whitby is a place of happy memories. That's what I might recapture. The carelessness of being young, of having a future so vague and amorphous that it seemed like a dream or a tale from some long-ago story. I had toppled into love. More miraculous still. The toppling was mutual. Feeling fragile after recent events, which need not concern us here, it seemed to me just the spot for recuperation. In Whitby, one can be alone and yet feel connected to the whole world. Once, whaling ships docked here. Now, fishing boats bobbed on the horizon as they had for centuries. On the beach below, children played in the sand and took splashing steps into the waves. Bathing tents formed a line across the shore, some white, others gaily striped. I took out binoculars for a closer look. A woman, baby in her arms, sat on a chair made of solidly packed sand, a parasol wedged into the arm of the sand chair. I felt suddenly lighter and ready for anything as I turned and walked across to the imposing, white-painted, cliff-top royal hotel that would be my haven for the next two weeks. The elderly doorman greeted me, took my car keys, and said he would fetch in hand luggage and hat box. My trunk had come ahead of me by rail. The place really did have an atmosphere of quiet refinement, just as advertised. A spacious entrance, high ornate ceiling supported by grand pillars, and a sense of hushed efficiency was just as I remembered. 
An immediate difference between now and back then was apparent at the reception desk. The man on duty was instantly recognisable as a former soldier, his face lined and pinched. The empty left sleeve of his jacket was neatly tucked into the pocket, one more living reminder of what we had experienced. It was brave, and perhaps wise, of the hotel management to put him on show. It's over. We've come through. Hello, I'm Mrs Shackleton, and I'm booked here for a fortnight. Just saying the words lifted my spirits. A month ago, Mr Sykes, Mrs Sugden and I held a confab. We agreed that nothing ever happens in August, and we might as well shut up shop and go away. Like the wakes week when mills and factories and whole towns have a complete shutdown. It so happened that we all decided on the East Coast.